of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me, as always, are Steve. Ward. And Dan. <laughs> and Ward's in a bit of a state today, apparently. Oh, my God. Ward, we, before you recording, we made you laugh so hard your nose bled, That's which true. is which is kind of an accomplishment. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. For the three of you. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. We'll see yeah. if we can keep that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's good. That might be some bodily harm. Just just Ward dies of blood loss <laughs> while recording. Not ideal. If he gets real quiet about halfway through the episode, you'll know. We'll have to have the Ward <laughs> Memorial Onslaught Tournament. Yeah. And then we'll all have to paint like a... At that point, we're all going to have to paint an Imperial Fist Army in tribute. <laughs> With a bloody nose. <laughs> Red helmets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just more thinking like my body's gonna be in your place, Dan. So you're gonna have to explain that. So it's true. <laughs> There'll be even more weird smells in my basement than usual. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something. Um, anyways, so uh, let's jump right into this week in hobby, guys. Uh, who wants to go first? I have my hobby right in front of me. I finished. Well, got pretty close. I have black edge highlights left to do. Uh, I finished a Dark Eldar Succubus because I'm super excited for the the new Codex. Uh, I have so many things I want to say about it, but we're going to wait till next episode. When we can all actually have it in front of yes. us, and then, you know, stick yes. to the whole thing where we try and not be a rumor podcast, oh my God. and like, actually talk about things that are real and tangible. The, the only thing I'm going to say further to this is I think my army got cheaper by 400 points, which is completely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> and simultaneously better. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, every single thing got better with stratagems and, and the whole uh, obsessions. So. And you have a reason to paint more witches, finally. The thing that's crazy, and I kind of like this about 40k, we're going to, this is kind of stepping into the next uh, period a little bit, but I actually kind of don't because I want to take one of everything because I want to play with all these toys. That's which, fair. Which I like. I don't like armies that spam things, right? So even though I have all these witches, I'm kind of like... Excited to maybe only take one or two units of them at most. And so. there's there's very specific ways in the Dr- Drukari army yeah. where it's built in to reward that, like that one of everything flavor. Yeah, and I yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of things about the one of everything type, type list that GW is going to start pushing a little bit more, so that's going to be kind of maybe a theme. Well, well, well fun see. fact, you sell more models when people want to buy more than one model kit. Yeah, totally. People don't get burned <laughs> out and they come back. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, that's right. Okay. And that's me. Ward? <laughs> How are uh, the Thousand Suns coming? I was working on my other two squads. I've got my other, um, the two original squads. They are uh, getting some blues. I'm doing up an article right now, so that'll be on our blog here. Nice. Before too long, uh, hopefully up by this weekend, so that way you can see how I'm uh, painting blues on Wait, them. Wait, fuck, so paint is already on models? Uh, there's a little bit of blue on them. Don't get ahead of yourself, okay? No, but, but that is a step. But there's there's paint on models. There's some base blues. And, and not just heads. Not just heads. Like whole models. High five. The, well, the model's in a few different pieces because I'm doing it in some sub-assemblies, but... Uh, That's awesome, man. No, but like there's I'll models with lots of paint on them. The, there's models with paint on them, yes. That's awesome. Well <laughs> done, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> like we, you, okay, clap. In, Ward's, in Ward's defense, he finishes armies for, for Las Vegas Open. He's finished a couple. 
Uh, but this is a milestone because this has got to be the first 40k model that's like that I've touched in quite in a while. Time. So and yeah. I, I've I've uh, I've also shut up and take my money. I've picked up some other stuff too for them. And uh, <laughs> what okay what. Okay, so I'm taking my money. No, no, yeah, it's, we got we are a professional podcast that does this shit in order. <laughs> I, but I really want to know. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll wait till the next day. We'll wait till that. Um, and then I've also uh, been working on some of my Grebo games, uh, Undead for Blood Bowl. Woo! So cleaning up a little bit nice. of that at work since I can't paint at work, but I can try to clean some models when I can. I can do neither. Yeah. Well, speaking of cleaning models, I picked up, uh, I put together the Shadespire starter kit and also bought the uh, Skaven Warband. Oh. Did that this week, too. Right about and that. played a game. I did. It's a good game. Wow. No paint, but. But you actually, you don't have to paint those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You should. <laughs> yeah. You I think I'm going to paint up the um, uh, uh, Sigmarines, whatever they are. What are they? Stormcast. Stormcast Eternals. That's the one. I can't even remember their actual name. <laughs> but there's three of them. The Sigmarines. I think, I think my wife wants to play the, the Sigmarines, and I'll paint up the Skaven. There you go. Oh. i got to paint up eight fucking models. That's <laughs> yeah. not so bad. So I should get Kyra to play. Yeah, she, like, it's, it's a really, like, it's a, she loves board games. She doesn't yeah. really like the long, like, the pretty, you know, like, long 40K style board games. Mm-hmm. More like sit, uh, you know, around a smaller table, have a few drinks, that kind of game. But if she has three models and she has to play three turns of a game. And it takes 30 minutes to finish a game. Like, when we, me and Kyle were learning to play, we'd never played before. Yeah, it's super 30. reasonable. Yeah. Anyways. No. Sorry, cool. I totally stole your thunder. That's okay. No? Well, um, for myself, as you guys will know from when I set up for the podcasting area, two of the bowls that were on the table were not snacks. They were, in fact, primed bulkheads and scenery and then, like, Gene Steeler cult models. So they were they looked like snacks in those tiny little it's bowls. It's deceiving, because I almost mm-hmm. ate one. I, I put one in my mouth. It did not taste very good. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the Gene Steeler Cult is progressing along. About 12 or 13 of them are primed. Um, there's a couple more that need green stuff work before they get primed. I meant to do all that stuff over the long weekend, but it did not occur. Um, so, yeah, that is still slowly progressing along. That's sort of the main project I am slowly inching towards. But now that my hobby space is actually clean for the first time in, like, well, how long have I lived here? Um, it'll yeah, be you, a little bit easier to keep going. So you tell me. Yeah, to that. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that was since August. It's always been kind of perpetually, like almost clean at best down here. Yeah, but it's it's getting towards like legitimately organized. So, is there a plan for the Gene Steeler cults to ever be more than a Necromunda type thing? There's enough models that it could somewhat be a thing because I have Deathwatch Overkill, and then as mm. I believe I mentioned once or twice on the podcast, I also picked up. Ten more of the neophytes, um, just like the standard 40k box, as well as the five more of the acolytes. So all said and done, I think it's something like something like 13 or 14 of the like acolyte style models, plus the HQs, um, plus I think probably 30-ish of the the cultists. Plus I have a couple of um, space hulk sets for the gene stealers as well, nice. and a couple of brood lords because everything comes with a brood lord. Yeah, I know. In the same pose with slightly different detailing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a decent amount there all said. I do still have remnants of old Imperial Guard projects and stuff. You know, it's kind of interesting. So you can ally them with Guard, right? Yeah. But because of the whole keyword thing, you can't, if you ally them with Guard, you can't ally them with Tyranids, which which I think is kind of neat. So you can either ally them with one Tyranids. One or the other. It's one or the other, right? Because they have to share a keyword. Oh. So that that doesn't work if you if you try and ally guard in with Tyranids. It's kind of the the ally system actually makes sense. Which is you're just really trying to get ahead of yourself, aren't you? That's yeah. like 
on the one hand really cool, but on the other hand, it's like, shit, I have scraps of both, and I can't use them at the same time. Yeah, well. So no, I, but I might need to spend slightly more money. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Games Workshop's okay with that. But they'll at the they'll same, find a way to take my dollars. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, right, let's say you're working towards maybe a thousand points is your goal for the Gene Stealer call. Like, all of a sudden, having either of those Tyranids or those guards probably all you really need. Or just buy a bunch of the sweet trucks. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Because those actually look really cool, and I wouldn't mind having one, like, sans weapons, be like an, a, just a piece of terrain for Necromunda. They look It's yeah, a mining truck. Super cool. Uh, they remind me a lot of, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle truck. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? They like, have the yeah. same sort of aesthetic, which is not a bad thing. The yeah, tur- they're... The turtle van? Yeah, like, that kind of, like, very blocky, like, no, not necessarily the turtle van, but more like the... Sh- uh, was it the shredder Te- thing? Technodrome. No, no, there was the thing that they could shoot the pizzas out of. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I had that. Yeah, it reminds me kind of that. I think it was just the pizza shooter. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the turtle van, it, yeah, it was just their pizza. I hope Which someone, was the coolest toy ever, because it had that whirring sound as it was yeah. getting ready for the pizzas to launch out of it. And I can use some of the Corvegas from my Fallout scenery train packs to make the, like, Neutrino flying Cadillac. Ooh, yeah. I got all kinds of hobby projects to do now. Yep. Yeah. I might be making this entirely up in my head, but it reminds me of something from, like, a <laughs> mid-'90s It cartoon. has that aesthetic. Like, yeah. it's right up there. Mix in with a bit of the original, um, shoot, what's... Total Recall. Yeah, yep, totally. 100%. Yes. Yeah, I Good like impression. It. Enjoyed that. Tom, how about you? Oh, man, it's actually been a pretty good week. I got, uh... I played a game on Thursday, and I didn't have a lot painted for my... For my... Like Nurgle army at that point. So between Thursday and Saturday, uh, I finished up another ten uh, plague bears. Yep, uh, for the unit, so that I now have eleven of them done, which is over a third done. So it's actually pretty good. Um, and then on Monday, I was kind of I, I was gonna go and play a game of Blood Bowl against a guy that I've known for years and years and years. We haven't played since like two thousand four, and. I wanted to take my Wood Elves because From I was kind of sick and tired of playing with my Orcs. And I got up at around 9 o'clock and like after about 20 minutes of thinking, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to repaint this team. And I did. Which which is doable in a day. It's a, it's a pretty serious undertaking, but doable. Yeah, and it's every once in a while, I kind of get this like chip on my shoulder of like, I need to... Don't use varnish. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yes, they are pewter. But every, but you guys know, every once in a while, I kind of like challenge myself to a project, like getting my d- drop zone done before onslaught with only one week to go, yep, or stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, I know I've got to be at tabletop cafe by seven o'clock tonight. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So the models were, I was repriming at like nine forty-five uh, in the morning, and uh, I think they were actually totally done by five five thirty. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty bad. So how many models was it? Was it 10 models? 11. 11. 11. And then today, because why stop there, I was kind of just humming and hawing, and I had the day off again, and I was just kind of wanting to find distraction from going back to work, but wasn't quite ready to jump back to Nurgle yet. And I ended up building a, um, like a display board for him out of like an old kind of like plinth thing that I got at Michael's, I think, maybe? Yeah, they sell, they sell a bunch of those for... Like, uh, I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's pretty small, but it actually worked out pretty good. And then, like, got that all done, and I was kind of, like, fucking around, and then I saw, 
a tree on my pile of random hobby shit on my table that's supposed to be used for gaming, but just never is anymore. And like put it up because <laughs> it's just like the mounds of hobby shit that I've been accumulating yep. just kind of gets spread out over there. Yep. And yeah, I got like a pretty sweet little uh, little scenic base form. It's about twice the size of a hockey puck because Blood Bowl. It's 11 models on 25 mil bases. but Yeah, tiny. That's awesome. Super easy so. to transport. Yep. yep. Uh, you can go full blizzard, put them upside down. Show people, like, hey, look, to the magnetized. It's thick. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was me. So lots of, uh, like, 22 models total, I think. Nice, that's awesome. So, Pretty solid. You you're probably didn't challenge Mike for supremacy. I think he finished, like, 15 ultramarines alone, plus whatever other shenanigans he was working on. But he's not here, so, so therefore you, you fucking beat him. Fuck you, Mike. I fucking beat you, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> um, as we continue our long-standing tradition of just telling whoever is not here with us this week to just fuck off. Yeah. Um, it's a healthy, healthy And then, podcast. you know, I'm pretty sure like we never listen to these when we're not here either, so it's just completely lost. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to listen to myself if I wasn't there, you know? like Or listen to the podcast if I wasn't on it. I would highly encourage people to listen to this podcast if they're not on it. In fact, I w- <laughs> that's the listeners, Dan. <laughs> Fair enough. So don't listen to Dan. He's full of shit. I want to listen to this podcast. It's just it's just fucking garbage. Hot garbage. It's okay. The worst. I just like to hear myself talk. <laughs> okay. And moving on, I, I really, I was trying to think of something to say to that, but... Keep, I, okay, I'm going to start with Shut Up and Take My Money, because uh, we, we should we should do that, because I spent a lot of money this week. Did you? I did. Um, so I bought Dark Eldar Codex Collector's Edition. Nice. Oh. Uh, one Collector's Edition. Oh. Um, so I'll start with what that, I spent that, my money on, and that's then what interesting I... interesting that you went I know. Collector's Edition. I know. Because I was thinking the Thousand Sun Collector's Edition, you're like, no, it's not worth it, don't get yeah, it. Yeah, but then I saw the Dark Elder one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so weak. You know what's you know what's weird? I almost <laughs> bought the demon ones because it had the Nurgle yep. demon on the front. Yep. Like, now I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing so it. So I bought that. I also bought the uh, Ferrotonic Furnace or whatever the hell that thing is. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yep. Big piece of uh, scenery. Uh, then I bought uh, the the Skaven uh, Warband or whatever else. And so that was what I actually spent money on. But what I'm I'm still thinking about is the Eldari sketchbook, and that's what I would like to Ooh. spend money on, but it's 150 bucks. Yeah, I've already I'm, spent a shitload. I'm a sucker for art books. I buy them all the damn time. That is a tough one to swallow. It's two volumes. Yeah, I know. But it's 150 bucks. That's yeah. that's steep. But it's it's got the original Eldari sketchbook, plus 46 pages, which I don't know what they're adding else in there. It's probably, I'm guessing, a lot of the Inari stuff. I don't entirely know. I think a lot of that stuff is in book two with the Drukari. So who the fuck knows? Maybe. I don't know. That's the thing. They've got more in the Eldari book than before, plus Drakari. So I want it, but I might not buy it. I'm going to be sad <laughs> when it sells out and I can't get it. That's me. That's a that's a risky one. Yeah. Very interesting. Ward. Uh, I think I'm going to pull the trigger here right away. Kenobi, and... you got to tell me what you bought for your Thousand Sons. Oh, what did you get already? You already, you already knew, like, the... Um... Because I had to steal some uh, claws off of you from the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know so what you got. So the uh, Malgeists. Mal. Mal. Yeah, the, the things from Age of Sigmar <laughs> that have the, the they're they're made of bones. The things that went big. to attack Nagash and Nagash said, fuck you! And then... Don't you fucking attack me! Killed them and then raised their bones and made them fight for him, so. 
Yeah, they're the demon princey looking undead things. Yeah, well, they will be after wards then. They will be, yeah. So I, it's just a simple conversion, cutting off like weapons and hands and gluing on these new claws. Just need monstrous talents. Yeah, they the more ghasts? More ghasts! As opposed yeah. to the less ghasts. Yeah. Now I remembered our shitty joke, but I couldn't remember what the actual word was. Malagasts. I like that. We should just call them Malagasts for no good reason. <laughs> so what, what's what's your shut up and take my money? Uh, I'm going to pull the trigger on some Forge World, I think, right away. Ooh. End of the month, so... What are you getting? I'm going to get uh, three Dreadnoughts. Three? Three. Not two? Three. Not what, one. What kind of Dreadnoughts? Three. There's so many flavors Not to choose five. The specific uh, Thousand Sun Contemptor Dreadnoughts. So I'm going to paint them up in updated color schemes so they won't be the red colors, but they've Blue. got like, the helmet crowns and, yep. and all that jazz. Yep. So. so you're yeah. going to do them just as regular Contemptors, like Carrie's assault uh, cannons? Or? Well, they're going to be Hellbrutes. So oh, that's right. So they're going to be... 40k. <laughs> In 40k. You can buy like, Forge World Index Chaos for like 15 pounds. Although, I was talking with some <laughs> it guys. It may or may not be any good. One of the things that it sounds like, and I could be off base because they may have been reading the rules wrong, but for a lot of the Forge World specific stuff, you need to have one of the like same unit type or unit entry of a non-Forge World thing. Oh, that's for the Relic stuff for Space Marines. Is that just for Space Marines? As far as I know. So that's like the Relic uh, Contemptor or whatever, like the Relic Leviathan. So you can't just like spam them. You have to take some other stuff. Would that apply to Contemptors and Contemptors? No some idea. Of, and some of, the, some of them were, especially the uh, Custodian stuff, a lot of it is 0 to 1. Yeah. So you, again, just you can't take multiple. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea for Chaos because Chaos is a bunch of heretics and they deserve to burn. So I don't really know. Yes, that's one that I haven't looked into in the slightest as Index Chaos. But it's, I think, 15 pounds. Yeah, they're not they're not expensive. I bought the one for Sounds like a pretty heavy book. That's yes. true. So fifteen pounds would be very heavy for a book. The uh, shipping the shipping cost must be through the roof. God, we're on fire tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! And no blood. Uh, <laughs> that one wasn't funny. That the blood no, meter no, was it not didn't off work. the chart. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. But yeah, so I'm gonna pick it well, I think that's gonna be probably enough for the <laughs> I think so. Money is no object. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, how about you? Um, struggling, struggling to think of anything off the top of my head here where, aside from waiting to maybe grab like an Escher weapon pack or one or two little mm. things from Forge World, um, there's not a huge amount. I know I picked up a bunch of paints the last little bit. Like, nothing too exciting. Those oranges? Just the, all the orange colors that GW makes because I only had one or two scattered oranges. Half of them were discontinued. So before working on the Dean Steeler cult gang and potentially painting a lot of orange... Because I'm guessing they're going to have orange pants. That is still the plan, and I think if I avoid brown-toned orange enough, it won't all just blend into the rusty bases. Interesting. Are you doing metal rust, or are you doing, like, Mars rust? Um, Like, dirt rust kind of? It's mostly brownish, but there is a a decent amount of orange in there, too. Like, it's... I don't know. I'm just I'm concerned that it's too much brownish orange, or brorange, as I like to call it. Fair enough. I think with the metal, you'll probably be okay. But yeah, so I got all the oranges so that I am free to test out a few things there and um, hopefully not make any more trips to the store. Nice. Next little bit. I'm excited, those to see those. I'm excited to see those like 80s neon colors, like full on highlighter orange. Pretty sweet. <laughs> and that is very much the colors. Like the GW, what is this one? Troll Slayer, Troll Slayer? orange? Yeah. Like holy shit, that is safety orange. That's one of my favorite colors. So It's so much fun to work with. It's most of her hair for my succubus yep. that I painted. So yeah, it'll be interesting to to see where I land between like Troll Slayer Orange and Fire Dragon Bright versus like what is this other one? Jacaro Orange, Squig Orange, that sort of thing, like the much more toned down ones. Yeah. 
So yeah, we'll see where I end up, but I've got all the toys now. I can actually test it out. Cool. Tom, how about you? Uh, honestly, I think most of my expenditures this last couple weeks has been on going to tournaments, because I went to Ooh, best kind of expenditure. Uh, March Madness uh, last weekend, and that was you pretty awesome. You watched NCAA basketball? Uh, no, it was a Blood Bowl tournament in Calgary. Almost uh, the same. Almost the same thing. <laughs> Basically um, the same. And the fun part about that is that it was kind of a Nurgle-themed event, and one of the door prizes they had was a Sloppity Ball Piper. And I ended up winning that door prize, so oh, I had I was going to go buy a sloppy Bob Piper. So, it, and actually, I think it was. So you haven't paid for most of your army. I feel like right now, two models. I have made for two models, Steve. Two. Although one, one of them was one hundred and sixty dollars yeah. or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, but what was funny is that I think the sloppy Bob Pipers cost thirty thirty five dollars from oh, the yeah. store. The cost of entry for the tournament was thirty bucks. Boom. So sloppy Bob Piper and a free um, tournament. And a free tournament that was really good. Uh, I've also paid for a Blood Diamond Chalice that's coming up this weekend. Nice. Um, which should be a lot of fun. That's what I got the Wood Elves painted up for. And then I also prepaid for, uh, oh, I bought my ticket for Lock and Load. Nice. And then I also bought my ticket for Powtown, which is another Blood Bowl tournament in Calgary. So You were not kidding. Yeah, no, it's serious. It was, like, probably about $200 in tournament entry. Nice. Um, in the last, uh, in well, the tournament last and lock and load because you're, yeah. you're not going to play in the. Oh hell no! Yeah. I'm just going to go get drunk in the Iron Arena. Perfect. Especially because this year it's in the hotel. You don't have to walk from your hotel like uh, two or three blocks to the venue. Oh nice! So I'll just be able to like, go upstairs to my like massive room full of beer because I'm just I feel like it's just going to have everything in there replaced by coolers. We'll just like yeah okay you know make Makes it work sense. makes sense. Um and probably use. Uh, one of the new Hobby Night in Canada uh, water bottles that oh, are now available on our Threadless store really for anyone interested in. I was really hoping you were going to say bath mats. You're um, your own bath mats. You know, I actually think I might, for if the nights get that rough, like have my tournament bath mat so that like, I know what's been on it when you like pass. So this is... <laughs> you, should just, you should just take Pro it. tip. Bring your own bath mat. And we have, we have our Hobby Night in Canada branded ones. If you're a person that likes to drink at tournaments but does not trust the bath mats that are provided in your hotel... You can go into our <laughs> our store, which is, I believe is threadless.com slash hobby night. No. Hobbynight.com slash threadless. Just go to our website at hobbynight.com. You can go to our webpage. And then, and and then there's a shopping there's a link. Button. Shopping cart. Shopping cart button. You can link to it. Shopping garbage <laughs> cart? <laughs> yeah. to go in I don't know. Uh, it's I, just I, all I thought he was going to go to Sloppity Bio Piper again. So. <laughs> I thought he was saying Shoppity Garbage Cart. <laughs> Which is no. way better. It's all absurd, but this way you can know that your face, whilst you're hugging the porcelain <laughs> toilet, will be on your own mat why, from home. Why is your face on there? Because you're laying down. Like, <laughs> oh, you're, you're hugging the base of the toilet. Oh. Yeah, I see. Because you're passed out in your own filth. Yeah. I thought you would, like had laid like the bath mat over the toilet. No. no. This is a terrible plan, yeah. Tom. No, no, no. That's what the shower curtain's for. <laughs> Or the but, beach towel. But you know all the gamers that, like, set up, like, uh, like foam for their games or whatever, right? Ooh. Understanding, you could just bring your bath mat. Yeah. I wonder down. if that... So you don't hurt your heels. Yeah. I wonder what kind... We need, to, we need to order one of these bath mats and find out if, like, how much... How much cush in there. Cush they have. Yeah. That, yeah. Could, that could be good as well. I'm always okay to get more cush. Okay, moving um, on. <laughs> I think there was more. Was there more? Oh, yeah, I bought a lot of magnets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I was at uh, P and J or P and M Hobbies. P M Hobbies. 
in Calgary on the way out. You're really good at remembering the names <laughs> of things. Did you put anything in your shoppity garbage cart? <laughs> um, and I was... <laughs> don't bleed don't bleed Ward oh Ward's gonna bleed so bad uh, it's gonna be like one of those bad animes where someone thinks something perverted and just the blood's flying out of Ward's face uh, no but I found the perfect size magnets to do up my Nurgle army to go in that table war case that oh, I nice. got so yep. uh, I've gotta get a few more but otherwise it's pretty good uh, apparently the J's are awesome Yes, tonight anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After that <And> segment, <laughs> I'm not sure what we're even talking about. No, and and there's more. I am buying some of the old Dark Vengeance cultists to turn into a Necromunda gang. Nice. Because they actually have the heavy flamer and the heavy stubber as well as the two character models that are, as far as I can tell, discontinued. I do not know anything. Again, filthy heretics. You're a filthy It should all be burned. Yeah? That's yes. what the flamer's for. Yes. Holy Prometheum. That should be what should be poured all over them. Okay, so we're talking about 40K right now, right? Yep. We should transition into a 40K topic. Sure, yeah, why not? Uh, and on the topic of transitions and 40K, they've kind of undergone one fairly heavily in the last little while because there was the 40K that came out um, with the indexes last July is very different from the 40k we're seeing right now. Yes, totally. I, I couldn't agree more. Like the the original index was always supposed to be just like a like a hold you over till you revenue hordes list. Yeah, get get you going until you have your codex. Um, but one of the things that I think a lot of people didn't really realize is the codexes didn't actually change a lot of the stat lines. Like they what you see in ravening hordes is basically what you get for your model stat line and your codex. Um, like even the stuff that just came out like the necrons like Basically, all their characters are completely unchanged in terms of what their stat lines have, which I think is really interesting. I, I don't know. Um, which Tau is- changed a lot of profiles of weapons. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest change of, like, the model stats aren't changing much, but the weapon profiles have been yeah. getting a bit more aggressive. Yeah, I think some of them get tweaked. Like, I, I know the uh, race whip coils and their weapons all, I think, gained a pip of uh, AP and a, a pip of damage. So they, yeah. are, they are definitely, like... Bumping up some units that need some help, like the Tau's Ion Accelerator, whatever the hell it is on the Riptide. Yeah. That went up a point of strength, point of damage. But it's not, like, crazy. They're not, like, jumping, like, insane amounts. No, but they are actually introducing a whole lot of other stuff. Um, And really, let's just cut to the chase. It's the command points. Yeah, stratagems. Like, Like, holy shit, the ability to play your army in so many different ways just because of command points. Totally. And, yeah. in, and in so many different cases, there's different ways to get your command points and how you're interacting with those command points and what they're doing yeah. gives you so much more variety in play styles than, and I'm going to say this and it's going to feel kind of weird, I feel like modern 40k has more diversity than the 3.5 Chaos Codex. I would actually agree with that. Like, I think, so coming back, doing that comparison from the index, like the, the main winningest list right out of the index at the first sort of big 40k tournament was uh the um storm eagle yes storm raven storm raven storm raven uh yeah the 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 forge world uh the fire raptor fire raptor oh okay that was yeah. one. it was the fire raptor spam might right. have been storm ravens or whatever but it was the space marine flyer list you just took five of those and then you shot your opponent off the table. Like, there was an absolutely zero diversity in that. They actually introduced rules for... Boots um, on the ground. Boots on the ground to get around that before some of these codexes came out. The thing that's interesting is I don't think anybody would even think about taking that list now, like, seriously, because, A, you're going to get one extra command point from the flyer wing, 
And then basically none of the stratagems that make your army work really apply to those flyers. Like, you don't have any of the cool Space Marine, like, characters fighting again, uh, after they die, like, guys being able to shoot with the banner when with uh, that command point when you get the chapter banner thing. Like, there's so much diversity, which is the right word, uh, in the game um, because of stratagems, which is crazy. I I don't know... Like whoever came up with that rule set, like that idea is is brilliant. Yeah, and it's it honestly for me would be kind of one of the top three of my favorite rules mechanics I've ever seen in the game. Um, yeah, with one of them still being initiative and drop fleet being fucking cool. I just wish the rest of the game didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But uh, but with these command points, what they're doing is they're really incentivizing fair army builds. Yeah. Because typically spam does not get you the same number of command points as having a little bit more of a rounded or balanced army. Unless you're spamming troops, which is cool. Like, yeah, fucking that. go ahead. <laughs> Especially yeah. because now it looks like one of the things they've done is once they introduce the um, excuse me, the formations for the spearhead or vanguard or anything else, mm. they have not been having modifications to what troops are. Yeah. yeah. So every codex has come out, from what I gather... I can't think of one offhand, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but there aren't there is nothing that modifies what your troops choice is anymore. No, not anymore. Like even like Blood Angels players are freaking out because you can't take assault marines as troops, right? Like you used to be able to do that in some of their, their codex in the past. Um, but I think I like that. Like they aren't the mainstay of the Blood Angels list, right? Like sometimes they have forward elements that like drop a ton of drop troopers. Do but your that, Descent of Angels, whatever. Yeah, but that's a very specialized Blood Angels list. Yeah. Like, that's not their typical sort of, like, chapter-specific army. And you could still fucking do that. Yeah, you just you took can. multiples of the, I believe it's the Vanguard? Uh, Outrider for fast Outrider, yeah. Yeah, Vanguard's the elite. So you could just take two Outrider detachments. Totally. And you're only going to have five command points, but you can still do it. Yeah, 100%, which, which I like. Like, the thing is, is that that's what you're talking about with variety, is you can do any list that you used to be able to, to build. Like, yes. my cohort Cybernetica, that was basically two heavy support choice, and uh, character, I can still do that, right? Like I can, I just have to throw in like a, an onager or whatever, but I can still basically take the same army. Um, however, I don't know why I would, and I don't know why I'd skew that way because I want to get some rangers and some vanguard in there so I can get some command points. Which armies look like like armies? They don't look like weird, sort of bizarre forty k bastards. <laughs> well, even looking like the Eldar winning or the LVO winning Eldar lists. They like, weren't sure. heinous. They, no, they a had lot of, a lot of dark elder or uh, dark reapers, but there were still guardians and rangers and a bunch of other shit. Like, yeah, totally. You're seeing a lot of lists being really built around those core foundational pieces of the of the armies. Yeah, and the other thing that I'm really excited about right now is I'm looking at it, and for my Nurgle demons, kind of conventional thought is okay, take between four and six thirty man plague bear squads. Sure, okay, a movable object, absolutely. Yeah. But I can still have a really competitive and playable list with one of those units and then a bunch of Nurglings, some great and clean ones, some beasts, some playgrounds. Yeah, for sure. And you can still be in that game with having a fairly diverse list. I agree. And at that point, too, I'm actually getting more command points than if I was going with the heavy spam for the Plague Bearers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I can get up into my three detachments. Yeah, totally. No, I, I think like when we come back to like what what the index was versus codexes now is there there the variety is what's what's back. Like, and that's what's going to make the game good. Like, people want to buy Battle Force armies, right? They want to pick up those get started kits. They want to have an army that looks like that, right? Like what you see in a in a in a GW publication, uh, and you can actually make that work. Like before, Battle Force armies were kind of like just a joke. Like, oh, this guy's playing a Battle Force army, I should be able to roll them. 
Like now, yeah, you might not be able to do that. Like a lot of the Space Marine lists look totally like you picked up uh, an old Battle Force. Like you've got maybe a few Stern Guards, some Tactical Marines, some Scouts, maybe a Razorback here and there, a character, probably a Dreadnought or some sort of like maybe three Predators. That's bizarre. Like three Predators take advantage of like Kill Shot or something like that. Again, stratagems, right? Yep. Making that sort of variety useful. Which is cool at events, too, so that way you don't see the same army over and over on every single table. Oh, totally. Right? There's, there's quite the variation there, too. Well, I mean, LVO did have 500 people, so that I would assume there's some variation. But even stuff that's closer to home, like you're going to see totally. one guy play an army totally different than than the guy at the table next to him, even though they're both playing Space Marines. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you look at it even from major event to major event. We had LVO in the end of January and then at Epticon... Uh, what about a week or two ago? Yeah, and the top lists uh, almost exclusively were Eldar and LVO. Mm-hmm. Adepticon, it was mostly Tyranids. chaos and Tyranids. Yeah, Tyranids. Tyranids were big. Tyranids and Death Guard. And that's the thing that uh, is kind of yeah, you're right. Uh, what's kind of interesting about that is the Tyranids were pretty spammy. Yeah, right? they typically were like five or six flying hive tyrants. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, we were supposed to have the March update for uh, Chapter Approved or whatever. But they pushed it back to incorporate some tournament feedback Which into the FAQ. clearly was Adepticon. Which and is brilliant. OVO. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, because the thing is, as much as, like, the tournament players are perceived to not really interact or have any commonality with, like, a beer and pretzels uh, player... It still sucks when the beer and pretzels player shows up with a unit that's way too good and stomps on everybody. That isn't fun for the beer and pretzels player, right? Like, the tournament players you can use to weed out what is bad about the game and yeah. make it fair. And if the tournament players are going to break it, um, you know what? It's still broken for beer and pretzels players. Yeah, right? And being able to use that for a correction to, like, limit some of the bullshit that's happening. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you're a beer and pretzels guy, truly, to your core... Why do you give a fuck what Games Workshop's telling you to do anyways? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's still, you've got points for the models, you can do power level, you can even just go, like, original launch Age of Sigmar style of, like, this is what I have looks cool, yep. the other person like, this is what they have looks cool, but now we've got a, a, actually what seems to be an increasingly balanced and fair approach for setting up those, okay, I'm going to go out and play a game, it's going to be X number of points, I'm going to go to the store, go to the club, go to a tournament, whatever, and know that you're going to have yep. as close as possible to a, an even master fair game. Yeah, which is all you want, right? Like, you want to lose because of your skill. You don't want to lose because you picked the wrong unit to buy. That's that's not fun. Um, so I think I think the, the changes that they're incorporating in the way that the game has, uh, has evolved since the Index is super positive. Um, I mean, I can't think of a codex that's been objectively bad because they've just... Grey Knights. Sure. Okay. I'll give. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'll give you Grey Knights are not the best. Um, but well, the gold same, is clearly better than silver. Yeah. Well, that's true. Custodians for life. Custodians are just better <laughs> Grey Knights. Uh, but okay. I'll give you that they missed one pretty bad. But even like Mechanicum, that's that's pretty maligned for for being pretty one dimensional, is actually not that bad. Like it's very playable. Uh, it wasn't like playing Dark Eldar at the tail end of seventh, where it's just like okay. I'm glad we're playing I, Dark Eldar last week. Sure, last week too. <laughs> uh, but even last week, like I took I took a list that I knew was bad against uh, shooting army. Like I took my Homunculus Covens, right, uh, and I got seized on. So yeah, I probably should have lost, but I, I actually didn't lose that badly compared to some of the other editions. If you know what I mean? Like yeah, I got I got beat up pretty bad. But the Codex is going to fix that. Like everything that they're doing is just an iteration, which I like. It's not a full rewrite 
of all these codexes, which is the way it used to be, where you'd wait six years and you get a completely new codex. And throw all your old models directly in the trash. Yeah, they had no sort of bearing on what used to be. It was a new author or whatever else. Now it's just, okay, let's take what we have and iterate on it so it's good and balance it in the context of what's already out there, which is pretty foreign from, from GW. So And it's interesting. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's exciting. I'm looking at it, and so I've been playing my Nurgle army for, I think I've probably got maybe close to 10 games under my belt with 1,000 points now. Mm-hmm. And then the one abomination of 2,000 points that we don't really need to talk about because Death Guard are the wrong ally in that context. It's okay, I still won. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so funny that I have yet to lose to your Eldar, but I have yet to beat your Mechanicum. Yeah, that's a little weird. What the fuck is that? Uh, yeah. I, but the thing is, like, Eldar are hard to play. Eldar play like they're, the, like they're supposed to be in the fluff, right? Like, if yeah. you play... Uh, I have way more mobility. I can do way more stuff than, than the Nurgle Demons can. Like, I just have so many more tools. Yep. But the fragility is crazy. Yeah, and, like, the quick little nod towards what we'll probably talk about more next week of... Uh, Every time you're leaking and talking to me about the the new Dark Eldar rules and stuff, my first thought is... Every time I'm leaking. Yeah. I leak a lot. Well, and, and it should be my Nurgle arm that's leaking a lot, but really it's the Dark Eldar. Mm-hmm. Or you thinking about Dark Eldar. Oh, there's a, a lot of leaking there. It's a different kind of leak at that point. Um, it's a controlled leak. Yeah, it's, it's a preemptive leak for what's going to come later. Um, <laughs> anyways, you're telling me about these rules, and my first thought isn't, that's bullshit, it's... I'm excited to see how that works. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, it's it's really kind of in this interesting space where, also, I fluked into an army that doesn't suck. Yeah. Like, normally, I'm the guy that chooses the worst possible army based on, like, it looks the coolest, and I just kind of fluke into them having the worst possible yeah. rules. Um, and it turns out Nurgle Demon's actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing, though, is I don't think there's really any way that you, uh, Grey Knights, okay, Sure, <laughs> that you can really pick a terrible army. But you could probably find a way to ally Grey Knights with either Primaris or Guard or some kind of Imperial soup to make them good. Yeah. And frankly, what they're probably going to do now that Custodes have come out is when we do get the next chapter approved, which presumably does have an update of points costs, yep. all of a sudden, I imagine Grey Knights' points are going to go down. Yeah, I think you'll probably see some different rules around the Psyker side of things because the... the um Oh, I cannot think of it right now. Smite spam. Yeah, G- uh, Smite Junior. Smite spam for them is a bit of a problem. Like they have Smite Junior plus the uh, difficulty to cast with it. Like that yeah. just sucks for them. So I imagine you'll see some sort of redressing there. But like we're talking about the fact that this is going to be addressed within the year. Like within within uh, the Grey Knights coming out, that's that's pretty cool. Like you you don't have to wait six years. You know, it's not going to drive people out of the hobby. And then imagine you're that guy who plays Grey Knights because you love them, and you, like, find a way to make them work while they're not very good. Yeah, and then, and then the update. next month, it's like, oh, shit, I get, like, an extra 400 points of the models. Yeah. Or whatever. You're like, oh, damn. Or Smite <laughs> goes back up to regular strength for them, like, for their units. Suddenly, they're really fucking good. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, it would be interesting. So, yeah, I think the, the, the move from the index to the codexes has been, like, generally awesome and i think we hopefully this continues like this isn't just a uh you know one year flash in the pan and then things go downhill but i can't they've made it pretty sustainable and as a demon player uh granites can fuck off anyways so true i'm okay with that what ward what are your thoughts as a chaos player especially as a zinch chaos player about great knights about great knights i haven't even like looked at their codex really but what how do you feel about them yeah, how do they make, how do they make uh, you feel I on the inside? I don't care about them. Oh, you don't care? They, they could die. 
You're past. contemptuous of them? Yes. A thousand Suns are just that much better? Yes. All right. Yeah. Cool, moving on. I'll agree with that. Okay, so let's jump right into our hobby mail sack. Okay. Um, so we got, we got a couple... Got a good rummage on right in where there. where it's warm and... Toasty. Cozy. Amongst the letters. <laughs> Amongst the letters. Uh, yeah, so we got a couple questions we didn't get to last time. Um, a few that we're probably not going to get to today as well, but we're going to jump into jump into a few more. So dump into it. Dump into we're gonna, it. The Nurgle is strong with this one. Okay, it's fine. Dump right into that shoppity garbage cart. <laughs> so from Devin Harmon, how do I properly use pigments or weathering powders so they don't come off on my hands? Uh, Doll coat. My answer would be, what stage are we talking about? Because if it's while you're hobbying, uh, impossible. Yeah. Yeah, not impossible. Pigment fixer. While you're while you're applying the pigment is what I'm talking about. Yeah, if you if you're doing a mix with the pigment fixer. Sure, but even then. But if you're just going for a dry <laughs> look, right? But no, you can. But you can. It'll ultimately apply, start but before. You're apply it after. Before we get lost in the weeds, um, ultimately the, like to be. Ultimately, the pigments. Um, like if you have paint, it's pigment and binder. Mm-hmm. Um, where pigment, it's just pigment. It doesn't have some kind of adhesive or yeah, something else yeah. in it. So ultimately you're going to need um, some sort of sealing, whether that's varnish or a specific pigment fixer product or something like that. Yep. Um, you're going to need something to act as a varnish to seal in the pigment so it doesn't rub off and then transfer to your hands and get on the carpet and make your wife mad and all the other So Ward and I were actually talking about this, uh, or we weren't talking about this. We were at a uh, seminar in Vegas two years ago, three years ago. We were talking about, like, competition painting and weather. It was the weathering class that we were at. Yes. Um, and the the instructor, Aaron Lovejoy, is saying that for some competition pieces, you wouldn't seal the model. In that case, because you want to have the pigment look super realistic. Yeah. Um, in that case, good luck. You're on your own. But otherwise, I think... But those those are typically show pieces. You're not yeah. doing it for a full army, so therefore, with your show pieces, when you're taking it out for the, the, uh, the display itself, uh, you're handling it more gingerly than you would like an army piece. Yeah, so, so that case, Super very, ginger. very gingerly. The most uh, gingerly way. <laughs> so that way, of course, none of the pigment's coming off. Uh, it's just that light coating, that light dusting uh, on the model itself. Uh, if you're applying it to a whole army, you'd want to seal it then, of course, um, to just keep it on. Uh, and it depends on which way you're also going to be uh, applying that, that sealant. If you're doing a paint-on uh, with the pigment fixer, uh, you can go a little bit lighter on your pigments, um, just because with the pigment fixer, you're not going to rub off as much. And it also, because it's something that you're dabbing on and using the capillary action of the powder to draw it across the model, you're not. it's not like spraying it with an airbrush or an aerosol varnish where the physical force of the spray is going to like blast off half of that pigment before it gets fixed. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if you're using a varnish spray, I was going to say then you need to apply a little bit heavier of a pigment uh, just yep. because, again, when you apply that sealant, it's going to tone it down quite a bit. About twice as heavy as you're wanting, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you, like with my, my Mars stuff, all the, the cloaks have uh, pigment around the edges of them. Um, and, yeah, if you go light so that when you're actually like done applying the pigment and it looks good 
it's going to be completely gone by the time you spray the model. And you also got to be aware of your base color too. So if you're applying pigment to a black model or a very dark model, you need to go especially heavy. Uh, if you're going to be applying it to a, a lighter model, um, like for example, like your your Nurgle actually, like it's got a lighter green. Yep. That you don't have to go quite as much with. No, not at all. Yeah, but but on the bases of those models, yeah, I go a little bit heavier with the pigments. Exactly. So the other thing I would say is like try it out uh, before you varnish the model. Try out a test model because you you don't really get a ton of shots with pigments. Like pigments are kind of kind of tough to fix up. I think after the fact, you can. It's one of those things where you can always add more by yeah. taking the previous layers off once you've used a varnish or a fixer exactly. of some sort. It's more or less impossible. And that's why the fixer I like a little bit more because, like you said, it it spreads out from like the dabbing procedure. Um, so then after that dries, you can see exactly. Yes. Dab. Your dance moves and how the uh, the pigment looks on the model. Um, what I was going to say is also, when we say pigment fixers, there's a lot of different types of pigment fixers. So the secret weapon one is by far the best, in my opinion. Yeah, secret weapon, theirs is very specifically called pigment fixer. So Vallejo so makes... <laughs> it uh, is made for it. Vallejo makes a pigment fixer as well, um, but theirs is like a almost like a watered-down PVA. Yeah, and that's... It's yeah. not nearly See, as good. Vallejo does this thing where they take a lot of um, oils and enamels and other pain-in-the-ass products and make a water-based acrylic kind of equivalent to them. Like, their technical paints are like that. Um, they have a line of washes yep. that are... Um, they mimic a lot of the AK Interactive enamel washes. Yeah. Um, they have the Vallejo Metal Color range, which mimics the Alclad... Um, in, like, yeah, the Alclad um, aluminum-based... Um, yeah. lacquer paints which are a righteous pain in the ass to spray yeah um so they're they're in a lot of cases trying to tone that down so you don't need quite as aggressive thinners and mediums and white spirits and other junk to clean your brushes yeah but in doing so they lose some of the effectiveness like what makes those techniques work in the first place yeah i think their pigment fixer just like trying to paint on uh that pigment fixer sort of, or even dab it into the the uh, pigment that you've added, yep. it just washes it away. It doesn't actually work with the capillary action. I think whatever binder they've added into it just stops that like surface tension. Well, it's too thick. Yeah, totally. It's or it's literally too like viscous. I'm fairly certain they've just watered down PVA. Like there's that's probably it, it, yeah. it, it has could, the same smell. It could be some sort of like variant on their brush on or airbrush on um, varnish. It's a bit of a guess. Yeah. Whereas the pigment fixer from Secret Weapon is straight on petroleum distillates. It looks like water. Yeah, it looks yeah. it's very thin. It looks like water or alcohol in it, but like don't get me wrong, it's a petroleum distillate. It will burst into flames if you let it um, It's also harmful or fatal if swallowed. So, so don't don't, don't, eat don't, it. don't mistake it as water. <laughs> don't just oh drink. My God, I'm so don't thirsty. just drink straight or, uh, paint in the basement. No, 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 guys, guys, you were missing an opportunity. Don't you put it in your mouth. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh, so you ask someone you love. No, but even with even with the fixers, though, I'd still say, like, you got to varnish the model afterwards, even after the fixer. Generally. Um, because you still need to have some sort of layer over top of that. Like, I think with the, even the Vallejo stuff, it still flakes off. It's just like if you don't varnish your model and you handle the model a ton, you'll rub the paint off. It's the same sort of thing. It's sort of just Absolutely. another layer of paint. So I, I think you got to go over and varnish it. One of the things I was going to say is actually the GW Munitorum varnish is actually really good for pigments. Really? It's pretty solid. They've changed their varnish. It's, it's not Purity Seal anymore. They supposedly specifically formulated it to not frost. This is a Munitorum varnish on the succubus that I painted, which is one of really? the things I want to show you guys. I mean, it's got look. a f- semi, I wouldn't say it's semi-gloss. 
It's a little bit glossier than dull coat, but it works fantastic for binding uh, binding pigment. Um, again, like Ward was saying, you'll blow some of the pigments off the model, so be aware of your your coverage. But yeah, it definitely looks a lot more. Whereas dull coat, you can definitely tell when a model has been dull coated yeah. over fresh paint. Yeah. This just looks like it's bare paint. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, if you're getting pigments all over the place, I find that if you set up like a dis disposable station for when you're working with your pigments, uh, that way mm -hmm. you can just kind of wrap it all up and throw it, throw it away. So that's a good um, point. I use the lid of my wet palette, and then I just take it into the bathroom and literally rinse it and, and then wash it off. I just uh, use paper. I've I've had yeah. I've had just a, a clean sheet of white paper. I know exactly what pigments I have, oh, and where they are, and then that way I can just crumple that, that paper on itself. And throw it. That's exactly what I do. And I use bottle caps, actually. Interesting. That's I've, got, too I've got a pile of bottle caps that I keep next to. That's um, too small my for hobby me. Station. I would make a terrible mess. Well, I'm generally not doing large vehicles and stuff either. Like I'm just doing Fair a enough. few one-off models or a few bases at a time. But like I'll grab a bottle cap, and um, you know, with a little scoopy thing, I'll scoop a little bit of. Like Technical with my term. rust paints, mm -hmm. I have the aged rust, the regular rust, and the light rust. So, like, one's kind of brown, dark orange, light orange. So I'll just do one bottle cap with each, and then when I'm dabbing with whatever you're using, like a brush or a Q-tip or whatever various applicators that you have, they're kind of self-contained in the little bottle caps, and they don't spread around too much mm -hmm. unless you knock one over, which I did, and it's bad. Don't do it. Yep. But um, That I believe. The bottle caps are great for that, and, um, well, depending on your personal hobby style, you might have a bunch of those hanging around your hobby table anyway, and we, these you very much can. We just um, made you four fresh ones. Perfect. Replenishing my stock here. But um, And one thing you can very easily do is once that pigment is all, you know, mostly used up and dirty in these things, you just toss them. Or if you have some, like, you know, glue seal or a little bit of extra, like, pigment binder or whatever, you can, like, if you wanted to, you could, like, put it into the bottle cap so it doesn't spill everywhere when you go take out the garbage. Mm -hmm. There's various other things like that. I know Mr. Justin from Secret Weapon... Um, he likes to use a lot of those. It's basically like um, the little plastic disposable cups, but he has them like one ounce little like shot glass size. Mm. And he he does a lot of washes and stuff with pigments as well, um, which is a, a technique that some people like. It's not my personal favorite, but um, he mixes those up all in those little cups. Mm. And again, you can just toss them when you're done. That kind of self-contains the mess a little bit. And those ones actually, if you go to a pharmacy or even better yet, a medical supply store, you can get uh, med cups. Oh, those little pill cups. Uh, and so they actually also are often have actual granulations on them as well. Oh, graduations. So graduations. Yeah. Graduations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So you then, if you're doing mixes. mixes, you can yeah. also do that as well. And they're pretty cheap. You can get. I think last time I had to buy some. Uh, for one of the medical supply shops, it was like five bucks Canadian for probably fifty or sixty of the things. Well, that's not bad at all. So you can get some really good prices on that stuff because that's the kind of stuff that hospitals are going through in bulk, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Cool. Yep. And honestly, just to kind of bookend this one, I don't think I've ever used pigments in any way other than just smashing them on and dull coating afterwards. Yeah. And it works really well. The trick is. It is typically like one of the very last steps that I do. I also don't paint the bases of my rims until afterwards because invariably yeah. I get pigment on the base and I end yeah. up smashing it on the rim. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing you got. It's always, a messy product. Something that I think a lot of people forget is that if you're not doing super heavy coats of varnish, you can probably have seven to ten on the model without any real impact on what your detail. It's true. You want to be doing really thin coats of varnish most of the time anyway to avoid frosting. Two thin coats. 
So, um, but yeah, like there are many people that do model painting where after every three or four steps, they're going over it with varnish, and it's not going to have an impact. Like, especially if they are doing oils or enamels or some of those other things, where you're using a lot of thinner and very aggressive, like spirit thinner that will eat your paint on the sub or previous layers. Yep. yep. Yeah, you, you need to have that. Varnish. Yeah, I started doing that quite a bit because it just even handling the model stops it from. Uh, wrecking your edge highlights. Yeah, like after using chipping mediums or anything like that, yeah. fucking dull coat that shit. Yep. And satin varnish going on before any kind of washes, um, it can really help it flow and give even yep. coverage anyway. Again, I would steer people towards the GW Munitorum. It's really good. And if it is that proper balance of like a satiny, not gloss, not dull, but yep. like the happy medium, that has been such a difficult balance to find typically. Yep, yep. Cool. I'll have to check it out, and then we can maybe review it as a whole thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, and do some test models and stuff. And yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, so the other one we had today, which I think is kind of an interesting one, as I pull it back up again, um, was from Dwight. So this is, and it's a bit long, so we'll get to the end here. What's your opinion on virtual tabletop games like Tabletop Simulator and their ability to allow you to fully play games like 40K? Do you think an increase in popularity for virtual tabletops will lead to a decrease in real-life play? I personally think it's a great tool to use alongside as as it's helped me learn the rules and get back in. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Interesting. I've never thought about it from somebody learning the game because I, I, that thought never crossed my mind. It's always been uh, somebody that knows the game well that wants to play more games. How can I play games at work and not have people find out? There's that, uh, for sure. But like also a lot of tournament players that can't get... Um, can't get a regular game. That's so sort I of think, like with what was the X Wing one? Uh, that's Vassal. Vassal, yeah. I think a great analog for this that has no. A these lo- are digital. It's virtual tabletop. <sighs> tabletop simulator <laughs> today. A good analog for this is uh, Blood Bowl, because Blood Bowl has had a near oh, yeah. identical video yeah. game version for about seven or eight years now, because they're already on Blood Bowl two. Which is out, uh, which is multi-platform game, and what you're finding, and what we even found in our league, is that it's actually bringing more people in, because That's someone true. can play the Blood Bowl game online. It's the exact same game, under and assuming that they put like any thought into where the math is coming from the game, because it just kind of tells you what's happening instead of being like, how do you figure out what, whether or not you're rolling two dice versus one or whatever else. Yeah, hopefully, it's proper RNGesus. Um, yeah. You actually know how to play the game. So we've had a lot of guys who only ever played the computer version, jumped into our tabletop league, and are very competitive coaches. Yeah. Like, they have a great understanding of what's going on, and it's really actually been almost more positive for the game overall than any kind of detriment. Well, I was going to say, when you were working at GW, Dawn of War came out. Did you see a lot more people coming in from Dawn of War? No. Really? No. Uh, people would stop by, but would they get into the game? People no. would be like, hey, do you guys sell Dawn of War? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> the other thing to keep in mind there is that they were similar, but it's not... Like, True. this question very specifically is, like, being able to play that game sure, in a okay. digital format. So, yeah. like, Tabletop Simulator, you can straight-up play a game of 40K. But you don't have to be in the same room. You don't have to have your armies painted because it's all di- it's all simulated, right? And you can well, do it over the course of several days or whatever, too, like, depending on what your schedules are. Blood Bowl's an interesting one because I have Blood Bowl 2. I like it. I play it. I don't think it's a simulator. It's it's a game. Um, and the, the simulators themselves, they're typically not as well polished as the Blood Bowl 2 game. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of stand-ins and everything like that. One of the big differences um, there is probably just because, yeah, a game studio is putting the proper UI and polish on it where something like Vassal 
it's like a game engine, and the fans are putting in their like little homemade bitmaps and PNGs and stuff like that for the graphics. And then but it's like, exactly the same so, game. So for me, the finish of Blood Bowl is way better. I, l- I like that. I don't play any other simulator. I don't play a simulator. Like, I don't do Vassal for X-Wing. I just would play X-Wing. I don't do any 40K simulators. Yeah. I'll just go play games or, I mean, maybe it's just because when I started, it was go to a GW and learn. Pick up some some models, some, some rules. Play do you some think games. it's bad or good for the, the hobby in general? Because yeah, that's kind of my, my question. I think it's bad. Interesting. I think it's bad because you can play more games at home without being social because this is a social game. Like, if I didn't play these games, I would have never met any of you guys. That's true. Right? Man, that's, we kind should, of a break, that's kind of a break. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, we should have never got into these games. <laughs> this is getting depressing because suddenly I realized that I could have just never met you guys. My life would have been much better. <laughs> <laughs> if I just stayed away from the one store. Um, no, I think it's a, I think it's a social thing, and by playing it online, you're just like, okay, I got my fix. Yeah. I don't have to go and paint anything. I don't want to build any more models. I don't have to go meet anybody and play any games. Yeah, Do but you what think about people want to build models though? Because I think, I think that's part of it. Like I know a lot of people that have played Dawn of War, and it's like made their want to play 40k stronger. I think like what you're talking about is I don't think Dawn of War is going to bring in new people necessarily maybe one or two here and there kind of thing mm-hmm. but i think it definitely like people that are into 40k can play that and and you know get their fix at home and play more 40k or like i guess the, what about the other point here is that we're all we're all basically dinks here um like none of us have kids or anything that we have to worry about what about like your parents who aren't able to get all that, all that often um and all of a sudden their group of friends are gaming every week um, but they could only get in out every once every month. So during those off weeks, they're able to do these tabletop simulators, get a few games in. I think so. They're staying kind of on par with their hmm. friends about what the rules are going on. I think there's a good point there. Um, I do think it's a fairly niche product, but in instances like people who have multiple young kids, maybe people who work shift work and they don't have a synchronized schedule with their friends, or somebody that's on like military deployment, you know, yeah. and they want to be able to like, well, they can't exactly go down to the store you know, across town and play games with their buddies necessarily, but they might be able to take, you know, those asynchronous turns back and forth on Vassal. I don't think anybody's going to disagree that, like, if you have extenuating circumstances, these aren't good things to stand in for the hobby. I think the, the real question is, is this going to replace the hobby? No. I see it as, like, a supplement for people who have logistical issues or whatever. In some cases, it can be really good tournament prep. Oh, totally. you just want to, like... Play test an army before spending five hundred bucks on models. Yeah. You can do that virtually a hell of a lot faster and cheaper um, than going out and buying an army, base coding it, getting ready, starting playing it, and then realize, oh, or, this army sucks. Or playing a game with a shitload of proxies and trying or, to figure out proxies. If none of your buddies hand. have an orc army or a tyranid army or yeah. whatever, you could maybe you know do something that way virtually. I think it's in a few specific circumstances it can augment or supplement play for people that would already be playing tabletop if they could? Yeah, see, I kind of fall in the middle on this. Like, I think there's definitely some uh, problems with it. Like, I do see it potentially taking some players away where they're where they're not particularly into the hobby. You know, like... You know what? Fuck them. 
That's kind of what I was going to say. <laughs> not, not really, but like, are is this the right? If they're only here to play games and they aren't interested in the hobby part of it, why aren't they playing a video game? And there's so many other games. Like, like if somebody's painting and they absolutely hate it and it's a chore, it's your free time. Don't do that. It's not for you, and that's fine. Yeah, I think a great what an example that comes back for me is that did World of Warcraft kill Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, if anything, Dungeons and Dragons is stronger now. And I think that's probably our best comparison here is that it's it's really different beasts. We're always going to have people that want the the interaction of being in face to face with people that they play against, and having more options online is probably not going to change that. I kind of come back to Ward's point though a little bit. Like I think it might be a little bit of a different beast for tabletop games because Dungeons and Dragons you don't need to put in a huge amount of prep work. Like there's definitely DMs that do and craft incredible stories and put in that huge amount of work. I'm not belittling that, but I think every single player having to build an army is not the same as showing up for a D&D night. Yeah, if you fight a goblin horde one night in your D&D campaign, you don't need to spend $500 making goblin miniatures and painting you them. Have, yeah, you don't have to create the goblin horde. Yeah, like but I if think, you I want think, to be <laughs> involved in a tabletop miniature game with toys, whether or not there's an online equivalent isn't going to change that because you want the toys. Oh, totally. But that's kind of my point, though. If you want the game, and there's definitely players out there that love the game and think the game is great and want to play 40K, but necessarily aren't as into the hobby. And they, they will pay studios to paint their army, right? But if they, had a, if they had a product that was as polished, they had the same animations and the same, you know, better animations. I'm thinking like THQ Space Marine, like that level of quality with yeah. the actual rule set animations that were just incredible. I was just going to say, my tabletop miniatures aren't animated at all. <laughs> should get to work on those. You should, yeah, for sure. Like we should get all of them with animatronics. Um, but no, like I think it could take some players and that, out and, of the game, and that's totally different. Like the the simulator versus like a video game. Like the THQ I bought for Space Marine, and I didn't buy it because it was to replace yeah, yeah, yeah. 40k. I like, bought it because jump packs, yo. And Thunder <laughs> oh my hammers. God, the sound Thunder of the auto cannon. It it's. It's in the universe, and I like the universe, and I wanted to play games in that universe. And it's a totally different take on 40K compared to the games that we play, right? Squad-based. Yeah, yeah Space Marines are good in that game. Space Marines are fucking awesome. Basic tactical Marines. They, they can do three, stuff. Three of them take down a planet. Um, <laughs> entirely. Correct. <laughs> entirely. So, yeah, it, it, it's a matter of, like, if it's a polished finish... I like it, and like like you said, like the the math and everything for Blood Bowl is really good. I've been when I was getting back into Blood Bowl, that's how I started. It was I I bought Blood Bowl two, was playing some games and everything like that. So, do I do I know all the Blood Bowl rules? No, absolutely not. I got to go play Blood Bowl firsthand to get. But you're in a place up. now where when someone's like, "All right, it's your turn." You kind of know what you're doing already. It's not like getting someone into a game where they have no idea what's going on. You've got a basis yeah. for what it looks like. But did video games help me with that, or the simulators help me with that? No, because I already was. He did play Blood Bowl before. I, I wasn't. Well, then we played on the floor of a movie theater once. Because you already played Blood Bowl. We did play on the floor of the movie theater once to get our uh, we had story to. game in. Because we were forced to. <laughs> oh, was this during Lord of the Rings? No, it was during the mandatory participation staff campaign of Blood Bowl. What movie theater? What? what? I think it was we're when we, we were watching Lord of the Rings, I believe. 
but we played a, like a couple turns of Blood Bowl like on the disgusting floor <laughs> because we had to submit results yeah. for our weekly game. Yeah. Mandatory participation Blood Bowl campaign. Woo! You gotta love GW. It was good. Um, when the staff, when the manager really loves a game but nobody else does, sometimes you do what you gotta do. <laughs> That's to pretty keep, awesome. To keep your job. Um, I think so it's kind of a wash. Like, I think I'm kind of on your <laughs> side, Ward, that there's potentially some players that are going to be like, eh, I don't have to deal with painting anything anymore. I can still just play the game. But I also think that there are some players going to be like, this strengthens my my love of the hobby, and I want to do do more hobbying because of the fact that I can play games on the weekend or whatever, or mm-hmm. on deployment or whatever else. And I honestly think if you look at it in terms of, yes, not everyone likes painting, but there are those people that are like, you know, I don't like painting, but I still love this game. They'll go and they'll pay someone to paint their army yeah. for them. Like, I'm all for that. Oh, totally. And I think that those are the people, they still they want, want their to have toys. The toy. It's exactly it. They want to be able to hold that miniature and, like, the same people that collect, like, die cast cars, right? They aren't necessarily painting those cars. They just like having them. Well, yeah. They're collectors. They're not necessarily horrible people. They just, they just like die cast cars. They're not necessarily <laughs> serial killers. Um, not all of them, most of them. <laughs> but again, it can be argued too. Like Dan brought up the point, like, hey, yeah, you know what your schedule isn't as flexible and such. But when you're when you have the time off and everything, would you rather be doing that, or would you be rather working on your models for playing games when you do have schedule sync up? Right. So I don't. I don't question. It's 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 a tough one. I I have no problem if other people do it. I've. I haven't done it. The only, like I said, the only games that I played is like the the Space Marine Firework when it came out. Ooh, that was a bad one. Yeah. But those aren't even Quality. those are tabletop simulators. No, they're those not. Are, they're, those they're are first person shooters. Yeah, the simulators. I've never I've never played a simulator okay. for that. Although I still think that technically Blood Bowl is the really polished simulator because it's it is almost a direct port, hundred percent of is. the tabletop rules. It is hundred percent a direct port. There is no difference. Yeah, and I've played Vassal slightly for X Wing, um, and a little bit for Forty K. It's pretty bad for Forty K. It is. Yeah. Go- it's good for War Machine and Forty and and X Wing. Sorry, and other games that are effectively two D games. Yep, they can be really clean for that. Where movement is super clean and important in War Machine and X Wing, and you can reproduce that. But you also know my take on two D terrain. So yeah, not the best. There, therefore, yeah, I'm totally with you. If I have the spare time, I totally play uh, or I totally paint my models over playing a doing a simulator thing. But at the same time, if I really was serious about a tournament. Like, really wanted to do super well at a tournament. And there's lots of really high-end X-Wing players that they from across the world that play each other in Vassal, like, hundreds of games a year. Yeah. And get amazing as a result. Totally. So, I don't know. In Again, in certain niche restricted circumstances, it can be really good. But I don't think the average person's going to really bat an eyelash at it. So my answer to your complex question is maybe. <laughs> I don't know what it makes. Like, yeah. Some uses... I personally believe Thrive. that they're not harmful. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that now. But the usefulness is limited contextually. Totally. Yeah, I think it's limited utility, totally. limited advertising value for GW. I don't think it's going to really impact their bottom line one way or the other. No. Are the Dark Eldar good in them? Are they better than normal? Because <laughs> then I'll play. Well, are they using Index or Codex? Yeah, how long, do, how long do updates take? Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a... I think you do the updates. Sure, right? so. I think if you like Dark Eldar for 4K, you do the updates. <laughs> like, it's true. And I'll I play did. this army on Vassal. I better update. And sure. I did find online, at, like looking for something unrelated, I found somebody that had typed out the entire Necromunda under Hive Codex and just posted a file. And I'm like, you didn't even scan it. You typed it up. Okay. Whoa. Wow. 
That's intense. <laughs> I'm going to hope it's OCR. Like They just aren't insane, but anyways. Yeah, uh, so that's it for the Hobby Mail Sack for this week. Um, if you guys have any more questions, we'll probably be throwing up another post, but please feel free to send, a, send us a message because we'll check them and try to get them on the podcast. Uh, and let's just go over to our last period here, which is kind of a little bit loosely tied into the first one, but it's also... Kind of this renaissance of 40K. Oh, to use your word. The renaissance of 40K. Yeah, I was going to be a little more belligerent and say how it didn't suck anymore, but I still, I just still did. You did. I, you did. I, I, I just did it. <laughs> it's true. Even I'll um, admit that it no, was, it but was like, a little bad. I, I, I know for sure we've talked about this in various different iterations over the years of this idea that like when we all first met, one game to rule them all. It, well, there was two, and we'd kind of go back and forth, like, one year would be more 40K, one year would be more fantasy, but that was really it. We'd maybe play, like, one or two games of specialist games here We all here went there. to the same tournaments because there were two games. You know, the tournaments back then were fantasy and 40K, and we'd have, in Alberta, like, between 40 and 50 players per system consistently most years. Oh, I, I played fantasy, bef- you know, in tournaments before you did, which is fucking weird. Hips and I think I played 40K in tournaments before you did. <laughs> which is really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Not to mention game nights locally in the stores, too, where yeah. our Thursday nights would be packed. Dude, I remember busing to GW after school, like, frantically trying to get there so I could get there four or five o'clock when Vets Night started so I could get a table. My parents would drive my ass from Sherwood Park yeah. to go to play 40K Vets Night. Yeah. Um, and it like was During awesome. the summer, during the Armageddon campaign, um, I remember there being 25, 30 people in the oh, yeah. store. There were, you would be waiting for hours they'd to get, get a table. They'd get four tables going because they'd have the, the demo table, the two at the side, and one on the painting table. No, because it would be five eventually because they spread the yeah. two out, got the one in the middle and the painting table. Yeah. Bridged the gap. Yeah. yeah, which was crazy. Twenty five people in the old GW West Ed like was a lot. Because that's what like a fifteen hundred make like thousand square foot store At kind most, of thing. Not no, no, like five hundred man. <laughs> yeah, you it think would about be it. Smaller. A lot of homes are close to a thousand square. Yeah, feet. my that's my true. house is a thousand square feet. Even so if you include the be, entire back room, it would be less. Yeah, like it was a lot of people. Like it was packed. There was a huge sense of community. Like. I knew a ton of people. Very social, right? Yeah. I mean, you're hanging out, you're watching games, waiting for your name to be called for the next table. We'd go to the McDonald's across the uh, yep. across the hall. Inevitably when... get food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. It was great. And Chicken Nugget Baby Dad would be there. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it wasn't all the time. It wasn't always positive. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure something was positive, but... Um, God, <laughs> I that guy. Oh man! Oh shit! That's a throwback. Shit! <laughs> wow. Uh, but there was there was this really unified sense of community, and it kind of hit us because we were setting up some games. Uh, a friend of ours, Blake, was reaching out and trying to get people playing 40k again. Yeah. And at first he's like, "Oh, what day of the week should we do it?" And it just kind of worked out that Thursday nights were the best night. Yeah. And. So it was so funny because we're watching. Me and you were, were hanging out last Tuesday. What the hell was it? We were we were talking about this, and we were like, "Fuck, this is Thursday Vets Night." Peyton, yeah, Peyton Powell. Yeah, we were watching yeah, the number. Yeah, at Payton Powell, that's right. We were watching a ton of people like talk about like I'm coming. I'm I'm going to show up on Thursday or whatever else, and it was like ten people or whatever, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. Like and what was, was really funny was that day I saw, like, all the names of people that I knew being like, can't make it, can't make it, can't make it. I rolled in there expecting it to be, like, Blake and Steve, and there was, like, five other fucking people there. Yeah. Plus, 
Blake and Steve. So it was, there was a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, playing 40K on a Thursday night. And what was really funny is at the end of that night, it's like, you know, you just kind of had that, hey, anyone else coming to my place to play 40K on Saturday? Yeah. And we had another eight people hanging out. Not everyone was playing 40K, but, you Different know, Barry too. was there painting, but it was yeah. this notion that we can all kind of gather around the same kind of thing. Yeah. Which, which is GW games, really, at the end of the day. Yes. everybody's either doing Shadespire, Blood Bowl, Age of Sigmar, or 40K, or Necromunda. Like, it's the GW universes, which there's really just two, so everybody can kind of glom on to, like, that whole, uh, that whole I guess, IP and kind of, like, have some sort of focus. And I think one of the really lovely things about it, too, is that you get into the Games Workshop, like, I guess universe. We'll just call it Games Workshop Ecosystem. Universe. Ecosystem. Way better use. Um, and all of a sudden, your specialist games are just going to be 8 to 12 models, typically. So you can punch out a Necromunda gang in maybe a month or two of hobby, or a Blood Bowl team in seven hours, or... Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> For some of us, yeah. yeah For some. But, you know, but that kind of thing. Shadespire, you could probably do your Skaven up in seven hours. No. No? My model would be seven hours. I'm excited to paint those. I paint individual models slowly. I paint groups quite quickly. But if you group painted them, they could be done super fast. Sure, but I'm not going to. But that's your choice. Yes, you, yes. You're right. If I was like full on speed painting them, maybe I could get them done in a couple days. Right? Yeah. But so you kind of are always circling around the core games. At least it felt like back in the day. Yeah, it totally. Where like you, you're you, playing uh, Battlefleet Gothic, Blood Bowl, or uh, Epic, or Warmaster, or whatever. Uh, Mordheim. Let's not forget Mordheim. Yeah. That was a huge one for fantasy. People would start there for sure. Create a war band, and then you're like, oh, I love these guys. I'm going to do a whole army. Or but it would yeah. always funnel back totally. to fantasy or 40K. Yeah. At the end of the day, it always came back to those two. Which So comes back to the central point that I think the, the community for, for wargaming in general in Edmonton is probably going to swing back that way. I know a lot of people are really excited about these systems. Um, people that haven't touched 40K since, you know, 10, 15 years ago. They're back into it. Um, for those of you that can't see through the microphone, Tom put up his hand. Um, the like, no, but there's a lot of people that were in other game systems because the game was better, and they kind of begrudgingly left an IP that they really liked, and those people are coming back, right? Like those because are the, the game is good and the universe is good. Yeah, and the models are good. Also, you know what's crazy? We're talking about community and just in general is. Uh, Typically, a barrier to 40k or GW games before was, oh, I'm going to play War Machine. It's cheaper and the game's better. GW hasn't gotten any cheaper at all. I have yet to hear somebody truly complain about the price that's getting back into it. It has got cheaper because the get started boxes are that much better. Sure, but it's not that much cheaper. <laughs> no, dude, <laughs> it's it still is. Fucking think about it. Think about it this way, right? So, yeah. Battle Forces used to be 110. dollars Yeah. And those Battle Forces were shit. Sure. Like, you would get a Rhino, some Space Marines, and a Dreadnought. You would never get, like, a functional chunk of your army. Yeah. Whereas the Get Started boxes nowadays are typically, like, very functional. Like, you get it, and and they're reworking them all to be a patrol. Yeah. So it is a patrol detachment for your army. So you can buy that Get Started box for 100 bucks. go to fucking Thunderground, spend less. Um, I guess we're doing... Promos. Promos now. Yeah. Um, you're, you're welcome, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it it is way more affordable, man. Like, I look at getting my Nurgle Demon Army now, all said and done, is going to cost me between 
five and seven hundred dollars. That's still a lot of money. Like what I'm trying to say is that's still more expensive. You're right. It might have come down, and maybe that's also part of a brilliant marketing strategy. Is if you start the prices super high and then drop them down, suddenly it doesn't seem that crazy. It's the Sears market. Yeah, right. Like everything's always on sale. It worked out off. really good for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, womp, it's true. Womp. Uh, but no, like I. I I'm not totally convinced that like it actually is cheaper. You know what I mean? Like it's still six hundred dollars for an army is is still pretty crazy. I don't think it's cheaper. I think other systems though that have people flock up. to have caught up in prices. <laughs> so like I yeah. can't speak to War Machine, but you, are you specifically going with like War Machine? Well, like War Machine, X Wing, even right? X X Wing, you're like, oh crap! I I need that card, and I need five of them. I have to buy five of those. Yeah, you can't ships. You can't buy four ships and have your like diverse faction completed anymore. Because all the upgrade cards are spread out over multiple factions over, like, 14 waves. So there, <laughs> there you have to buy more ships overall to get sometimes the cards that you want to play. Yeah, interesting. Okay. It's not uh, a cheap game to start War, anymore. War Machine has uh, has expanded into more kits, bigger kits, plastic kits. And infantry kits, are still infantry. really fucking good. So in, the, in that case, you're buying more different iterations of this game system because now it's in third edition. Yep. Uh, have changed points values, have changed how big your armies are for playing on the board. So things are catching up to GW, and GW still maintain somewhat of a consistent... Uh, Infinity, you need like eight thousand dollars worth of terrain. terrain, terrain. Yeah. You don't need, way, yeah, way. you don't need a lot of models, but you need a fuckload of terrain. And with Infinity now breaking up their factions into basically, hey, one faction is now two half factions. Then you got yeah, you change civil your, war. Yeah, you got to bulk up your forces. So I, I think, kind of getting back to my battle force point, it used to be you could buy them and you'd save 50, 60 bucks, but you would never buy them because it was better to go with other choices. Because you would get stuff that you didn't need. Mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. savings, in air quotes, it would be something you wouldn't need. So, like, for example, with my Nurgle Demons, and I know it's it's one specific example, but I'm basically getting my Plague Drones for free. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's, a, what, like a $50 to $70 box? I can't remember exactly how much they are. But everything in that box is usable. So I, could, I bought three Get yeah. Started boxes for 300 bucks, which is, damn, it's well over 1,000 points at that point. Yeah, because that's three heralds, nine bases of nurglings, thirty plague bears, nine plague drones, and you could play that, and it wouldn't suck. Interesting. So that's three hundred bucks. You're probably at that point between a thousand and twelve fifty. You throw in one great unclean one, a couple something else, maybe a couple characters, and that's a playable army. A few sloppity garbage carts. Yeah, shoppity garbage carts. Shoppity garbage, <laughs> shoppity garbage, garbage carts. But like, that's where I think the cost has come down. You don't have to go out and buy the most expensive dollar-wise units in massive triplicate, quadruplicate to get a playable army anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the cost per model hasn't necessarily gone down, but your access into it is a lot cheaper. But yeah, even coming back to the original point, the community isn't complaining about like that that sort of thing. Like the value to pick up an army, play this game, and have an actual. Uh, a group of people playing is is there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people are, are looking at it as, I'm buying a single model kit, right? No. They're looking at it as, f- back the way it used to be, and this is the way we used to sell things always, was you're not just buying this kit at this value, you're buying how many hours of, of gaming with it and painting, right? Mm-hmm. And that, when you don't have that gaming portion, uh, you know, part of that equation, why don't I just go buy a Gundam or a model airplane or a car or whatever I want to do, right? Like, there's no reason to buy a GW product, um, which I think is kind of speaks to the fact that there is a sense of community around this again. Yeah, and I think one the other thing, too, is that GW is fucking crushing it. Can we talk about Seaman for a second? 
Oh yeah, sure. Let's jump into that. Like and, and, I, the the, the Iadaneth the Deepkin. The Deepkin, but like it looks cool without getting into anything more than that. They yeah. look really cool, and I've almost everyone I've talked to that had no interest in Age of Sigmar is like super jazzed about this fucking army. Mm-hmm. Super jizzed or super jazzed? Both. But yeah, it's true. There there are people coming out of the fucking woodwork that haven't touched or looked at fantasy since even long before the end times. And they're going, what the shit just happened? Who are these people and where did all my money go? Yeah. Like I agree. It, it is it is pretty crazy. Steve, Steve may be one of those people before long. I, I'm gonna pick up a model uh, from that kit from that range for sure. The the dude coming on the like the out of the ocean? Out of the tidal wave oh, thing, like flying out of the awesome. ocean. Uh, is fucking sweet. I have no idea who that is or what his deal is, but he looks neat. And why are there <laughs> schools of fish getting shot out of that title? Who gives a shit? Awesome. It's cool. Because they all have like coral reef scenic faces on the characters now. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. There's also that wizard that's got like the weird octopus head thing that <laughs> I also yeah. really like. The octopus is the inkwell and like holding his little feathers and quills for him. It's so creepy. It's so good. But kind of like coming it. back to that original point is. Even if you want to look at, and I think this podcast itself is a pretty good kind of um, indicator, indicator, or like uh, a great um, oh, fuck, like time barometer, time capsule or barometer oh, for like it. how this has gone. Is that micrometer? Might sure no flux capacitor. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, but you look at it when this podcast started is kind of when. Around the time where I was really done with Games Workshop and like really done with their games. And if you listen to our topics over that time frame, we would bounce all over the place. It would be about, you know, we'd have Dystopian Wars for a couple months or a little bit more Malifaux for a while or more War Machine or Infinity or Drop Zone or Drop Fleet or whatever. How much of that shit have we talked about in the last three months? We've been talking a lot of GW lately. The thing that's really interesting, too, is all those games are always like, oh my god, have you seen this game? Flash in the pan kind of thing. Like, the initial build of interest was somebody saw it, picked up an army, started playing a few games, and was, like, super into it, and that tailed off. There was always, like, a crazy spike of interest, and then a long tail of, till nobody played it anymore. Long tail of regret. Well, and you know to be I mean? fair, War Machine but, and Malifaux, I think, are outside of that because they're very strong communities overall. Sure. Um, <laughs> but even, like, all the, the stuff that I got interested in, right, like like Drop Zone, uh, which I still think is a phenomenal game. Uh, I don't think that's changed, uh, but it's just tailed off. Um, Dark Age, the models are phenomenal. They're on par with uh, GW's models, right? Uh, that's totally tailed off. Uh, whereas, like, with, with the GW stuff, it's been a slow build. There was an initial spike. People were, everybody on this podcast, too, was reluctant to to jump on the GW bandwagon because there was a history of it not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, they, they had to do more to get people excited about what they're, what they're doing now than those other systems did. Well, because they were, it was in that place of, like, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me with five different editions of 40K. And, like, we we were hurt bad, but, again, coming back to the original point, we're all able to hang out and be excited and talk about the same things again, and the, I feel like the group's just expanding. Yeah, totally. You know, like, we're hanging out with, uh... There might even be weeks where I forget to talk about Battletech. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, but you look at it, right? So you met, I, I imagine those... No, you knew Tyler from school, right? Or Taylor from school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still... Yep. Like, we had people coming over to your place two days later. 
yeah, still after jazzed. gaming somewhere else, like super jazz, and played jazzed. multiple games, hung out, watched hockey. We'll play games this Saturday. <laughs> Again, like it's going to probably become a regular thing of just hang out, play games. Right. Which is weird because most of the time it would be like, who wants to come over and play games? Well, everybody's playing something different, so it's not going to work because I don't have the train for this system, and two people want to play that. And they got to bring their own thing, and it's just too much of an effort. You know what I mean? Like, there's no commonality. I think, too, right now, like, um, locally at least, before for, like, getting people out to game for GW games, you had to kind of spice it up, mix it up a little bit, so that way people would bring out their armies and be interested in, oh, hey, this is something different, let's go try this out, and that sort of thing. Now with the the Renaissance, as as we've dubbed it... um, we or you. Uh, or probably other people as well. I imagine we're maybe. probably not the first to use that yeah. phrase. Well, I'm pretty sure we're the first. <laughs> now, now, Cutting edge. Yes. Uh, now with that, um, I feel that just the base game, people are coming over and just getting excited about just playing more games. Like oh, you totally. said, like over the, over the couple days, right? So you don't need those gimmicky things to get people back into playing games. Yeah, people are excited to play, like, thousand-point games. You know? Right? Like, and I think, I think like, the old, like, I play a ton of thousand-point games and then a tournament special. Mm-hmm. I can see that being a thing again, like, people playing just 40K, yeah. whatever. Well, Ooh. I mean, GrotzCon, for an example, is sold out of the 40K already. They've got a wait list. Yeah. Right? So... They're eating up other systems right now. Right now. So... Which is crazy. Yeah, 2,500 points. And that's, wow. that's that's a lot of points, but the fact is they're selling out and eating up spots from a another a predominantly War Machine event. Yes. Like, that's the bread and butter, and, and 40K has always been second fiddle. The fact that it's going crazy is kind of, I think, well, it's just an indicator of what's, what's happening with mm-hmm. the game systems. And we'll see if those trends continue, right? Because we'll, we'll see more events coming out of the summer um, with, with interest levels and... See what happens. So, yeah, should be good. Yeah, I think it's good for the community to have something, some sort of language of commonality. I the other side of this is I really hope that those other systems don't all die. Like I hope that GW doesn't corner the market. I like having those other systems around. Well, they kept Games Workshop honest, right? When they were doing really well, GW had to like legitimately take that step back and go, okay, what are we not doing right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then realize, oh, the shit that we used to do well that we stopped doing, well, let's do that again, except maybe better now because we've got an extra 20 years of experience. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, you know, that the, I, I like the fact that we have this language of commonality where people can play a game system. They can bring something and they know somebody's going to be able to play that. But I just want to, you know, also at the same time still support Drop Zone, still support Dark Age. Like, have that and, you know, use it as like a, you know, I've got one other person that wants to play this with me. Like, let's do that every once in a while. I think that's good. Well, and the one thing that I think is going to be kind of interesting is that for most of those other games, we've got the armies done. Yep. So we can go back and play it now. Yep. We've had our time away from Games Workshop and we can, like... Like, for me, the last time I actively worked on, a, on, like, an army from Games Workshop with any level of completion... Savage Orcs? ...was my Savage Orcs. Yep. And I was working on that army when I was living in the townhouse by Westmount. That was oh, a long-ass time ago. Really? Yeah. Holy bananas. And I moved out of that place when I was 22. That's crazy. You're not in your 20s anymore. <laughs> no! No, I'm not! <laughs> huh. huh. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, it's great. Um, and the punchline for me, I'm just going to get to play more games. Yeah, which is awesome. And I've I'm, played more games than I ever have in the last five years. And I feel like I'll be able to tug a few guys into Blood Bowl peripherally as well. i got to tug a few guys. i got to tug a few guys. You're fat, you're fat rat? I do. I do have to get... What's his face? He's what's so his pretty. Name? 
I can't remember his name. Blart? Blart. Is it Blart? Yeah, it's Blart. No, that's Paul Blart. <laughs> no, but it's actually Blart. <laughs> is it actually? Like Paul Blart Mall, mall Cop? Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. There, oh might be, there might be two else instead of just one. I don't know. Blart. <laughs> Blart. Now I really want to paint him up. <laughs> yeah, on a segue? <laughs> oh my god. Do it. He does have ravenous hunger. <laughs> he does. Which I imagine is also common to Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, um, I guess uh, that's an episode of How Many in Canada. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm, I'm Ward. <laughs> and I'm Steve. <laughs> I was really, okay, so I really wanted to have like just like a weird, awkward silence at the end, but these fuckers were all looking at me really strange. So <laughs> Yeah, we were all like just sheer panic. <laughs> just like, what is he doing? What is How he do doing? we finish this? No, just just play some games and paint your fucking models. I thought we were gonna be stuck here for the rest of eternity, like this is some sort of weird tesseract situation. Like you don't say anything, we fold into an alternate dimension. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Fine, that's right,